Well, guys, we are we're back recording. I think this is our first podcast since February. Did we do have one in between then? No, Zoomcast. Yeah, no, nothing since I think February twenty eighth or end of February or somewhere in there. Yeah, so uh, you know, a lot a lot has uh, happened. Um, welcome to the Illuminati Podcast. Uh, you've got Vito, Seth, and Steve here, along with Nathan, who's going to moderate and, uh, and pass out assists and set everyone up uh, tonight. Um, you know, we, we've got got some stuff to go over that we've uh, been wanting to talk about and wanted to kind of update everyone. Um, you know, let's kind of jump right into it. Um, actually, before we do that, hurting my own rundown. Um, so we did a, a Zoom cast with Augie Sanchez, Chris Oladokin, and uh, Stephen Bench on Friday that got posted Saturday um, afternoon, evening, morning, somewhere around there. Um, and, you know, it was really good. They went over, we, you know, discussed our top 10 uh, USF jerseys of all time. And then, you know, a- after we kind of discussed the rankings, um, you know, we kind of went into into their time at USF, you know, Chris and Augie definitely had different, um, you know, career paths at USF. You know, Augie, a redshirt freshman year, converts to linebacker, becomes all-time leading tackler. Chris redshirts his first year with under Taggart and kind of gets lost in the shuffle under Charlie Strong, gets, you know, replaced by Blake Barnett and uh, moves on to Sanford. So it was really interesting to hear uh, you know, both of their views and how, how recruiting is different, you know, coming out of high school compared to uh, when you're transferring and in the, in the portal. So uh, give that a listen. Um, there's a Zoom cast. You can listen and see us talk. And it's also on our podcast feed, courtesy of Vito, putting that together for us. Um, you know, let's kind of jump into it. We've we've had a bunch of transfers since uh, February. Um, most notably, Quarterback Noah Johnson uh, committed. He's the former uh, 2018 SWAC Player of the Year from Alcorn State, coached by uh, Pat White, who's now the running backs coach at USF. Uh, dude put up numbers. He's he was a proven winner, and uh, you know at Alcorn State lost his job due to injury last year, and his replacement turned out to be the 2019 SWAC Player of the Year. So you know, it, time to move on. He's from Armwood. Uh, one year left, and from by all accounts that you know, from people we've talked to, um, has a legitimate shot to be the starter in 2020. Whenever, whenever that happens, and so you know, you, you add him in, and you've got Jordan McLeod who started games. You've got Kate Fortin who's played a little bit, and then you've got a guy who got a lot of run in 2018, got hurt in 2019, with something to prove with his final year. You know, something that this kind of pandemic has created or opened is the two freshmen, Jordan Smith and Travis Marsh, are now on the same level playing field as the, you know, the three guys that have already had college experience. Um, those three guys, they don't have a spring with USF under their belt. Uh, so they're all in the same boat. You know, Jordan McLeod may be ahead because he's been on campus longer. But Cade Forden, who was going to get all those practice reps in the spring, doesn't get them. So I I think it's a true five-man competition. Maybe I'm thinking, you know, too far into it. You know, two true freshmen really making a run for it, even in, you know, abbreviated summer ball, maybe a a stretch. But Seth, you know, 
former quarterback as yourself, what does you know the missing spring ball do to maybe level the playing field for those freshmen coming in that maybe wouldn't have happened uh, under normal circumstances? Well, uh, some of it is going to be some of it they've just missed because um, just being on campus, you gain some stuff, familiarity with your teammates, but it's not quite the same going out and throwing um, just on air with no pads on is when you get out, you have a offensive line in front of you. That's where you kind of get that time and all that kind of stuff kind of starts to meld together and gel together. So not having that in the spring, that's going to allow them, everyone's kind of, like you said, going to be starting from pretty much the same spot. Um, and then you have the transfer quarterback coming in. He's going to be in the same spot too. So that, maybe kind of would is going to be help him out a little bit too um that these guys think that's the spring rep so he's going to come in at the same level as them and probably be the most experienced guy on the roster so um it does kind of level it out and then you add in that we we still we have the four game redshirt rules still so this thing may not be decided for a while they could let guys play two or three games and then then redshirt them and figure it out then so this thing could drag on but you probably have you have a lot better options this year than you did last year so. yeah it's steve you've you've kind of been uh along with nick you guys have kind of tag team the recruiting trail uh for us uh, the last you know six or seven months here um with jordan and travis coming in basically fresh what do you expect from those two guys both a lot of talent raw talent you got jordan the lefty travis he's big, you know, lanky kid who can run and throw. Uh, can you picture them actually pushing for, if not the starter role, but maybe, uh, you know, breaking in as the backup quarterback there? Yeah, no. Uh, this, it, 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 I think it's all going to really come down to how Weiss Jr. wants to kind of mold and run this offense. Um, I, I think with all five of the quarterbacks you have, you, you can run probably three or four different styles of offenses and be extremely successful it's just trying to find that one that fits the most amount of success. Uh, Jordan Smith is outrageously athletic. You know, he, he's a lot like how Quentin Flowers one was, you know, here at USF, just not afraid to tuck and run it and, and try to get every, every yard he could possibly get. Uh, Katravis March, he's just as athletic, but he's more willing to throw the ball and thread the needle there. Uh, you know, one of those guys that will probably pump a deep ball every once in a while, but really kind of makes his money between the uh, the 20 and the 10 yard line or 20 and 10 yards there. Um, and then obviously like you guys, you got K who played pretty well in UNC, but didn't get much run uh, after the fact um, under background. So, you know, he's still completely unknown. He can kind of run it a little bit. Uh, and then obviously Noah Johnson, we see the numbers that he put up at Alcorn, just absolutely lethal athlete, uh, throwing the ball, passing the ball. I think he kind of has the edge here just because, I think Weiss kind of knows how he wants his offense to run, uh, similar to how it was at FAU. You know, I think he might be the one that uh, Noah comes in and just kind of, you know, calls him from day one the way it is. But then, you know, Jordan has a lot of experience on the grass here. Don't, you can't, you know, it sounds stupid, but he's familiar with how Ray J's glasses. He's familiar with practice, but he's familiar with the teammates even then. So, you know, the, the lack of playing time that these guys all have together right now in the spring and subsequently in the summer is going to affect, you know, the snap cadence and the timing routes that they have with receivers and everything like that. So Jordan definitely has that advantage going in. Yeah, and then, you know, to, to that point of knowing your teammates, uh, you know, I think a quarterback room and, you know, a QB competition, there's 
there's going to be some politicking behind the scenes, you know, guys, you know, trying to, you know, rub the right shoulders, excuse me, and, you know, talk up the right people, you know, whether it's, you know, leaders on the offense, uh, you know, trying to gain the respect of, of the defense as well, because I know, you know, the defensive players and the staff um, will get asked by the offensive coaches, okay, who, which quarterback gave you the most trouble in practice? Who did you not want to face, uh, you know, in these particular situations? And I think that holds a lot of water that Jordan knows all of these guys already. And I think that there's something to be said for familiarity within your teammates, within the system, even if it's not a, the same system you were in last year. He's He's been there since, you know, Jeff Scott was there in December. You know, he was at the introductory press conference. All of these factors that aid Noah and the two freshmen won't have. Um, I, I think we can't dismiss Jordan um, maybe as quickly as we would have under normal circumstances, um, which I think, again, it just kind of makes it like a true five-man competition. Uh, set, I mean, you you split time in high school with, uh, you know, a future Florida Gator. What was yeah. the kind of dynamic of trying to, you know, uh, you know, earn more playing time, make sure your teammates were happy with, you know, the, the you know, first and third, second and fourth quarter kind of split up that you guys had and yeah. making sure everyone was kind of happy and the team was still, you know, one cohesive unit. Well, I mean, it's fu- funny that you bring that up because it kind of makes me think about uh, Jordan McLeod a little bit. Last year, I thought he was tentative at times and not because um, – that's maybe how he plays, but it seems like he was not wanting to make mistakes. And Weiss wants you, I went and saw him talk at a clinic and he put cutups on their quarterback last year at FAU. He's like, all right, this is a nice, easy throw. And this guy's throwing the ball in the tight windows between like three dudes. He's like, yeah, that guy's open. So I'm like, McLeod, he wasn't even attempting those throws last year, but some of it's confidence. Like you said, when I was playing, um, I split time with John Brantley who ended up being, you know, Gatorade National Player of the Year. He was a really good player. There was a certain point where I just had to be like, all right, I got to just go out and and just let it rip. So you can either go out and say, all right, I'm just going to let it rip and see what happens, or am I going to stay timid and just try not to make a mistake so I hold on to this spot? You know, that's kind of the – so that's kind of the dilemma that I think uh, Jordan McLeod's going to have. And it seems like he's going to come out – firing and if he does that that's going to give him the best chance to win but it's that's the tough dilemma that you find yourself in do you want to am i just going to go out and guns blazing and see what happens and let the chips fall where they may or am i going to play it safe make sure i keep my spot in the top two maybe but i'm not going to really separate myself so that's kind of i think that's going to be his biggest challenge and with with cade fortin who just came who came in he was like one of Jeff Scott's first recruits, was he not? Yeah, I think he was like he, two days after. Yeah, yeah him so and Darian that, Felix were close. Well, pretty much one, two. Yeah, so that's interesting to me. So obviously Scott had his eye on this guy or knew of him previously. He's from Georgia, right, Steg? And he's a really smart kid. Isn't that like his thing? Yeah, and, I mean, graduated full, like is done with school completely now. And he's, you know, Got three years eligibility left. Yeah, and, and Florida has the best high school players, but Georgia has the best high school coaches because they pay those guys. So those guys are well coached. I think all these guys are coming from big programs, though, so they're all pretty well coached. But 
I don't think Fortin's one to put on the back burner either. It's, it's going to be a really, it's going to be a, a it maybe a true five man race, which will be really, really interesting, especially with the truncated time period. Because Fortin is, if you just look at the raw recruiting rankings, I think he's the highest rated guy. So it should be interesting. They should have definitely a lot more options than they had last year. Yeah, and I think that's the key here. I know someone on Twitter mentioned, you know, that's great that there's another quarterback in the room, but we need offensive linemen. And, well, let me tell you, <clears throat> trotting out uh, Kirk Reigel for, for all of his, uh, you know, 100-mile-an-hour fastballs that he throws, it's not the, the best-case scenario when you're you're trotting out a, a walk-on because your two top guys are already hurt. Um, I think five is the ideal number for quarterbacks, so this is good because, you know, attrition will happen. One of these four guys, or one of these five guys, will not be here in two years, um, and it's not because of graduation. It's just that the law of averages don't allow, you know, five scholarship quarterbacks who all have talent to some extent just to stay on. That's just not what's going to happen here. And what's interesting is we were talking to Chris Oldokin on Friday. He's thrown with Jordan McLeod, Ray Ray McLeod, uh, KJ Sales. They're all working out together, which is, I think, very important that you have, you know, Ray Ray McLeod, an NFL wide receiver, slot back, what have you. That to throw to and still working out against, you know, KJ Sales, one of the top corners in the conference. Uh, that's going to help, uh, you know, in the future for Jordan McLeod. I think the only way to get better is going up against the top guys. And, you know, it's again, it's just going to be super exciting to see this quarterback room, the competition um, kind of unfold, whatever that is. And again, we can't stress enough, we have no idea when this season, if this season is going to happen. Um, talking to Chris last week, he has no idea what's going to happen. He's just staying ready. They have regular Zoom chats and, um, you know, Zoom meetings and group me messages with their strength, their strength coaches trying to make sure they're staying in shape, doing the things that they need to be doing, you know, off the off the field while they're, you know, apart. So it's, it's just super interesting. I don't know what the future holds. Well, get into that a little bit later, but uh, there's still some more transfers that we need to talk about, um, which is uh, truly amazing. Um, the most uh, recent transfer is a Jacksonville University offensive lineman, Alec Valet. Valet? Uh, I'd I assume Valet. Yeah, Valet. Valet. Maybe Valet. Super white, Valet. super Jacksonville. Um, he... He's uh, transferring to USF um, from Jacksonville University, who just you know disbanded their program you know months ago, uh, prior to uh, COVID nineteen uh, claiming claiming uh, program. So it's uh, it's interesting to see you know what what will come of that. That's just another guy to add to the to the list of uh, question marks at offensive line, but it's another body. Um, you know, he's got three years left to play. Uh, it's going to be going to be interesting. You know, he played it played for Team USA in 2017, 2018. Uh, you you wrote this story. What did you see from Alec? Uh, you know, when you were doing your kind of recognizance on, on his skill set and kind of what he brings to the table. Yeah, um, actually, it was it was oddly enough the kind of most amount of research that I did was when I after I had posted it, I did more research on him and everything as I saw someone had commented saying, um, you know, is it bad that we're taking some FCS guys right now? Um, kind of segueing into who who else we're about to talk about, but um, these 
I mean, talent kind of disparity aside, you know, we needed more bodies on the offensive line. Uh, I think coming into this offseason, after the season had ended, we were going to be returning 10 guys on the offensive line. And now through transfers and uh, freshmen and everything else, uh, we're now up to 16. So we're, we're at the magic number as far as offensive linemen that you want to keep on the roster. Um, the offensive line has pretty good depth right now across the board. Um, you know, obviously we kind of, everything's coming in fresh. You know, Coach Allen has basically 16 guys that he can pick and choose where he wants to put them. I think the only consistent one that you're going to see kind of stay where he's at is Brad Cecil. Um, he's a true blood, you know, center. He's not going to do much else. But I think across the rest of the offensive line, I mean, you can mix and match anyone with any other position. Obviously, you want to keep John, um, Jennings and Demetrius Harris on the left side as much as you possibly can. But that right side is completely wide open with anyone. You know, you got guys like David Anderson still there. You got Jared Hoppel. Uh, Michael Wiggs was apparently starting at right guard um, coming off of center, which means, you know, we need to find someone to back up Brad Cecil there. But Valet's got some interesting kind of perks to him. Uh, really, really aggressive uh, guard play. Uh, he's, I mean, his film was just living with him, pancaking guys all across the board, not just at, you know, his uh, high school, astronaut high school, but also at Team USA. You know, they're not playing up against, you know, the scrubs of Mexico and Canada. Like, they're playing up against, you know, guys that are playing for the Canadian national team and, and going down to the U.S. for colleges, too. You know, they're not bad by any stretch of the imagination. You don't hear the top guys go there, but, you know, he's getting plenty of experiences there. Um, and then, you know, there's guys from last season, too, that, you know, didn't get seen much playing time. Uh, Dustin Hall was one that I thought was a shoe-in to start uh, some games last year. Didn't see the field. So the offensive line, as far as I consider it, is just as wide open as the quarterback room right now. You know, any of those guys can come in and, and probably start week one like that. Do we know if he's going to be on scholarship? Uh, apparently, according to the conversations that I've had inside of with Will Turner, uh, he is on scholarship. So he went from non-scholarship FCS to, you know, Division One FBS, which is a pretty good <laughs> trade-off. Excellent job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, you know, on the flip side of things, uh, let's take a gander real quick as I pull this up because it's – my internet's super awesome, even though I'm plugged in. Uh, we got Wofford. Yeah, we got Wofford defensive tackle Thad Mangum uh, transferring in as well. Uh, he he was a, a 2018 All Conference selection um, for I can't remember Southern Conference. So, yes, the SoCon. Yeah, Southern Conference. Um, he, he was really good, and then he got hurt in the first game of the season last year. Uh, he was granted a six year of eligibility. Uh, so again, another piece for the defensive unit, especially that particular unit that returns nothing, returns absolutely nothing at defensive end. I think he can play both. Um, you know, they, they, I think they're probably going to play a lot of three down linemen and just multiple behind them. I think the constant is going to be three down linemen. Uh, so finding that right balance, you know, You've got Kegler, Yates, Green, Pinkney. Just trying to find a rotation. Now you throw in Mangum, who can probably play inside-outside. Finding some sort of balance um, with the defensive ends or their edge rushers um, is going to be key here. 
Uh, but just again, another body along defensive line is, is going to be key. Um, what I mean, I think Ryan Smith kind of put out um, some information for us on Slack and about returning starters and starts and whatnot. It, it, it's it's not great to look at, but what have you guys seen from uh, you know Thad and his his tape? Um, what what do you guys want to see from him? Uh, you know, again, whenever whenever the season starts, it's, it's super strange, kind of. You know, talking about this when we have no idea when the season's going to happen, and uh, but we'll we'll attempt. <laughs> no, that that's definitely a much needed body in the middle there. Um, I think one of the key things that I keep on reiterating about this team next year is, I mean, we really have no idea from top to bottom where people are going to be fitting in because it's going to be completely different from the coaching staff last year. Obviously, uh, Glenn Spencer runs this slight. You kind of alluded to it. He referred to it as 30 float, you know, three down linemen and then whatever else combination of eight players behind them. Um, you know, I think Thad's one of those guys that can kind of play that strong defensive end role um, on the strong side, just based off of the film that I saw from at Wofford. Um, you know, really good use of his hands across the board, stays, stays home as much as possible. All the good things you want to hear about defensive ends, obviously, you know, watching highlights and occasionally dabbling into full film to see where I can see from them. But he's definitely good depth and, and much, much, much needed depth there that we needed in along the defensive line. Um, he's definitely a guy that you can kind of watch out for this year, maybe make a, a, a lasting impact and, you know, securing that starting role before the season starts. Yeah, I think he would just his size, what I saw, he's like six two, six three, two eighty, something like that. Um, if he's a if he's a mover, he can play inside or outside, which I think they have a few of those guys that maybe played three technique for him last year. That um, those kind of bigger, more athletic guys, they might be able to stand, or might be able to bump out and play over the tackle, or maybe just inside shade or outside shade of the tackle in the three down look. So they may the depth may not be too bad, but then you have to put more linebackers on the field. So that's going to be kind of the trade-off. I think you got a couple, and then you also got a transfer coming in there too. What a segue there, Seth. I was <laughs> I was muted, but what a segue. Uh, speaking of linebacker transfers, uh, we've got Devin Gill from the University of Michigan transferring in for his fifth year of eligibility. Um, started, appeared in forty games, started fourteen. Um, had 47 tackles uh, for the Wolverines. Um, it, I mean, just, again, another just another body, and uh, we we didn't have enough, and now we're starting to you know replenish that that you know each kind of position, each each of the positions that were really lacking: offensive line, quarterback, defensive line, linebacker. I mean, we're finally getting some some bodies in there, some talent. That have you know can have proven that they can play at you know at a higher level. Um, it you know adding adding him to Dwayne Boyles, Antonio Greer, Mims. Um, I think that's that's going to be key. I think you know I like what Dwayne Bowles and uh, Antonio Greer showed last year, um, and, and I think it showed that you know Patrick Macon he he lost a lot of playing time late in the year due to due to those uh, guys kind of. Stepping up and providing providing a spark. Hi, baby. Hi, baby. Um, so, so it, you know, it's, it's really nice to see. Um, again, what what have you guys seen? I I haven't watched any highlights of these these kids. Um, what what have you guys seen from them? Um, what what do you like? What 
what do you wish uh, you know would be better uh, for, from this unit? Yeah, um, so I did my spring preview on uh, the linebackers, so I, I was pretty content with the linebacking core prior to Devin Gill's transfer. Um, I think he's going to be, like you said, very, very much needed depth and relief, um, especially in, in a 30-float offense like Flynn Spencer kind of touts. Um, you know, I think there's times that we're going to see four linebackers on the field at one time. Um, so I think that, you know, having Devin uh, transferred is, is nothing but going to be good for them, um, especially just, you know, looking at the other freshmen coming in. Um, we should have plenty, plenty of, you know, good bodies there now. Uh, the one thing that I kept on seeing consistently and when I was watching his film, it, it's very apparent. He's not the fastest guy in the world. Um, he probably would come in just a little bit faster than Andrew Mims. Um, just not a speed guy, not a, not a, you know, won't get after the quarterback as quick as he can. Very, very good in coverage and very, very smart uh, player. Didn't see a lot other than that as far as his playing time, though. He really didn't make much of an impact aside from special teams. Uh, had a pretty good run against Florida in the Orange Bowl uh, two years ago, I think. And Peach Bowl. Peach. Yeah, one of the bowls that they did. He had a pretty good run there. Played very, very well um, coming in for an injury and uh, a graduated player. So he's definitely got the good playing time uh, up against a pretty good offense and, and held his own there. Um, you know, he got beat one or two times, but other than that, stayed pretty well. And I don't think he's going to be facing too many faster uh, running backs and quarterbacks than uh, what Floor was running out that year. So he's he's got to watch this year. Uh, you know, not going to probably start starting right up, but – I mean, he'll he'll make his name get called quite a few times next year. Yeah, he's a he's like a he's a thicker guy, like Steve was saying, not super fast, but that guy that can play more in the middle. Um, I don't think he's probably not as explosive quite as Macon was last year, but maybe he's also not quite as stiff either. But you got, I think you have a good linebacking that the starting unit, whatever they put out, they're going to put out some athletic guys at linebacker. Boyles, I think, is going to do really well in this system. Greer really came on last year and was a really, really good player by the end of the year. And then um, Bellamy, right? Was that the guy's name that would flash all the time last year? Mm-hmm. Another big athletic guy back there. So you got some you got some tools to use in this defense where they want to be aggressive. Um, those kind of guys could shine. So if you have those guys in the middle, they can kind of hold it down to some bigger guys, which maybe this, this guy w- will be. You know, then you start to kind of fill out your your um, your your starting units and your and your key backups. Yeah, and you know, you still have to think about Brian Norris, who's a, a converted running back, super athletic dude, big, six two, two twenty seven, and then uh, Randall Copeland as well is still still there, and I I I would expect one of those two guys to maybe make um maybe make an impact either on special teams or coming in as a rotation guy. Um, because, I mean, Brian Norris, I think, is probably one of the more athletic linebackers. I think he just may be raw in, you know, talent at the linebacker position because he did flip from running back. But, I mean, compared to where this team was, uh, you know, six months ago, you know, it's shaping up to, you know, be a good team. Maybe not, probably not this year, especially with everything going going on. Um, I think this first year under Jeff Scott, you can just kind of throw away. Um, but just due to everything, I mean, you you miss out on a, your first spring practice session, your summer workouts, and you're just going to get a, maybe a truncated four or five week fall camp before you start and maybe go play Texas. I, 
I think you maybe, you know, I think USF's win-loss over-under was, what, like three and a half or four? I mean, you may, you may as well take a win take a win off just due to being a first-year first, first year coach under under this system and, and trying to get everything you need put in. Um, so it, it's going to be super interesting, uh, you know, whenever the season kicks off. And then uh, I think, Steve, if you want to take away the uh, – the, the the recruits that have committed over the last couple of weeks. I know we got a quarterback. What today? Yesterday? Yeah, um, yesterday at like ten o'clock at night. I was <laughs> fixing to go to bed, relax, and all of a sudden, you're uh, welcome. I think Vito Vito posted it in the chat. I was like, damn it, <laughs> I don't have an excuse not to do this. But yeah, so as it currently stands, uh, the 2021 cycle today is uh, 4:20. Uh, we have five commits, good for second in the conference behind. Uh, Cincinnati, who is just an absolute recruiting machine right now, we won't touch them, and no one in the conference will. Um, we're looking pretty solid. You know, these we're top fifty in the country right now, and it's still very, very early. And this is going to be a very strange recruiting cycle. But this is also one that really, really benefits this coaching staff. Uh, they're young, they're experienced, they know how these kids are. Uh, from the conversations that I've seen uh, with players and coaches, you know. These guys are talking with them daily uh, through FaceTime, through Zoom, through Teams, whatever kind of means it is to have this communication. Uh, they're they're getting it. Um, last night, Timmy McLean from Seminole High School up in Sanford, Florida, uh, committed. He is now the top rated commit in the class. Um, dual threat quarterback uh, led the Seminoles to an undefeated season, got upended by Apopka in the uh, third round of the playoffs. I mean, the kid threw dimes all year. Like he's a he's a lefty, so his film kind of jumped out of me uh, immediately because the the throwing style he has. But he um, didn't really show off his speed as much, uh, being considered a dual threat. But he runs a verified four eight, which is pretty good for a high school quarterback. So he's definitely got wheels on him. Definitely can run. But the system that they were running just, I mean, he was throwing needles, throwing out routes right on the money, throwing posts right over the safety's heads every time. So he's a guy that, you know, if he stays committed the entire time, he might be one of those guys that comes and competes right away uh, freshman year. Uh, the rest of the class, I think, that we missed so far was Jalen Stokes. Uh, he was the only one that I think committed. Oh, no, the Fort one. Myers kid, the Fort Myers yeah. defensive end. Fort Myers, yeah. So Jalen Stokes Keon from Terrell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, now I see his date. Um, Jalen Stokes committed from Auburndale about nine days ago. Ten days ago now, he is uh, part of that secondary that completely just turned around Auburndale. Uh, went from uh, a losing program to a winning program after one year. And all four of those Auburndale cornerbacks and defense backs took a visit to USF shortly after in February. He was the first one to commit, and then one of the other guys just committed to Temple. So they're still in the uh, play for Aubrey Banks. Uh, he's the other kind of guy opposite from him. He's a guy that USF should desperately be going all in for right now. Um, both of them have really good length. Both of them are just shut down corners, and that entire secondary is just so good at man coverage, uh, which is all you really see in, in high school nowadays anyways. But I think you know them coming in and both of them coming in can really turn around the secondary and replace, hopefully, KJ and Mike um, as like the two island corners that we can always rely on. Uh, Kayon Terrell from Fort Myers, as Seth alluded to, um, he's a he's a strong side defensive and his film is kind of hard to kind of jurisdict because he didn't really put too much on there. Um, 
I, I kind of had to go through digging and watch some of uh, Fort Myers High School uh, throughout the year to try to find him. He didn't jump off film every single time, but he's a pretty solid defensive end. I think this year he'll probably see extended playing time and see a lot more of the field. Uh, I believe he was right behind someone else who was the strong side defensive end from Fort Myers, so he should see a lot more playing time this year. And hopefully when the season starts, when it starts, if it starts, he's going to have a monster year as well. Uh, big guy, super physical, 6'3", 220 in high school right now. So, you know, he's only going to grow and get bigger and get stronger throughout the entire season. So this this recruiting class is going to be probably probably stick around second or third in the conference just based on what we're hearing and what we're seeing. Um, and they're certainly not over, and they're still in the mix for a couple four-star kids uh, and a couple transfers for the next season as well. They're already kind of looking ahead to uh, the next realm of uh, transfers and uh, – you know, this this coaching staff is going to do good things with these kids, um, especially now that, you know, technology's on their side. That's all they can really do is just call and face on these kids all day, every day. One, one thing, when I heard uh, Scott talk at a coach's clinic, and he started talking about his recruiting philosophy and what their philosophy is going to be. And one thing he said is we're not, he's, he said we're not going after guys that Alabama and Florida and, and Florida State He's like, we're not going to go after those guys. They're very rarely. But he did say, he said, we are going to go head-to-head against teams like West Virginia and Kentucky and Louisville. Those kind of teams, like, we were going to go head-to-head against them. And we were going to, those, those are the guys we were going to take. And I believe um, Timmy McClain had a West Virginia offer, a Louisville offer, a Boston College offer. And a Kentucky so, offer. Yeah, so the, he was he was kind of like we're not afraid to go into the Power Five, but we're going to be smart about it. We we may not go for the five star kid, but we understand um, what kind of schools what we can offer uh, compared to these other. They may be Power Five, but we can offer some other things being where we're located. So I thought that was interesting to see it already kind of playing itself out. You know, it wasn't just uh, blowing smoke. They are going after those guys, and they're going to be aggressive and go after. Those guys that made it be in maybe four star guys like Steve said or high three star guys, but guys that go to these schools and then become really good players, well, they're just going to go. They're not afraid to go up and uh, get in a battle with these schools just because they're power five, which I thought was kind of encouraging and a smart way to do it. Yeah. And there is, uh, and this might be over and done with by the time that this actually goes up, but there is one interesting transfer still in the market that I know Jeff Scott and company are going after. Uh, John Rain, the Florida Atlantic tight end uh, from last season, uh, played obviously behind Harrison Bryant, um, who's getting drafted. He's transferring. Um, he has a very, very strong relationship with obviously Charlie West Jr. Um, to Seth's point, you know, we don't, we won't go to battle too much with uh, the Florida and Florida states of the world, but currently it's head to head between Florida State and USF for uh, John Rain. Uh, I think there's like one of the schools still in the mix, but. He's uh, being recruited by the mayor of Tampa, KJ Sales himself. Um, there's some real good stuff there, so he might be another transfer that we might see in the next couple of days. And he didn't start, but he was really good. If you watch their bowl game, he's the guy that played, and he was really, really good. He would come in, and him and Mathis together would, would kind of really change and present some real big problems for people. Yeah, uh, you know, there's there's something that I think, uh, you know, might need to be addressed with this 21, uh, 2021 class is uh, there's a good to decent shot. They won't get film for their senior year. So relying on their junior year film, 
Um, do you think that's that will help or hurt? Um, maybe some of the kids, um, you know, improving, getting better, or you know, maybe USF's taking a chance on a guy that uh, maybe not may not be as good um, that than what his junior tape showed. What you know, what do you think the balance is going to be on uh, you know taking guys who are truly actually going to be good and progress versus uh, you know some guys who maybe just had a good year and then fell apart. Well, I, I think a lot of these guys were here in the in the area, so that'll help. They kind of know coaches. They know some of these players already. You know, you had the guys at FA. You had three coaches that were at FAU, so they've been here. Scott was down here recruiting. Uh, I'm sure Pat White was down in Florida recruiting too. So these guys kind of know the coaches here, and they kind of probably have a pretty good idea on these players. And I think it'll actually help schools like USF. Like you look last year at a guy, I think his his name's Jamar, Jamar Jamar Gibbs, I believe his name. He was a he started out the season kind of a three star, high three star running back. Um, was committed to Georgia Tech. Well, then as his senior year went on, he started putting up some crazy stuff. And by the end of it, he's offered by like Alabama, uh, you know LSU. Everybody was offering. Georgia Tech ended up keeping him. But if he didn't have a senior year, it would have been no sweat. He would have gone to Georgia Tech, and he ended up being like a four or five star player. So I think you get more of those, and if you trust your staff to be smart, which just listen to Scott talk about his recruiting plan and how they have stuff laid out, he's really smart, and he's thought of this. Um, you know, He's put a lot of thought into how they break down even recruiting areas by coaches. They don't they, – He's he took a map and did like an hour. He said, I want – you know, how many high schools are within an hour from campus? It was like 121. He said, okay, every coach has – every, every coach on staff has 12 schools. Or whatever the number, you know, those are your 12 schools. You go see them. Those are your area schools. And they break up the rest of the state of Florida with those coaches as well. But they, every coach, so they're going to see every school within an hour of campus. So the, I think it would actually wouldn't hurt them as badly as it may hurt some other people because they've been pretty smart and they seem to be pretty with it and able to adjust on the fly. Much like Vito right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the podcast hey, I, says hello. Uh, Nate, I, I had a question that I, I thought about. got brought up on a PA piano um, a few weeks ago by Matt Brown. Um, do you think that, and this is just for the field, um, do, do you think that this COVID-19 pandemic potentially, and just the potential of it coming back or staying, the, like, staying a disease that we're all paying attention to for a while, uh, has the chance for kids in high school to maybe rethink leaving the state and maybe staying close by or having transfers want to come home just to be closer to their families in case anything like this happens again and they're stranded in another state. I'll hang up and listen. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. I think, um, I think the kids going North, you know, to the big 10, big 12 schools, like your Iowa States, your Minnesotas, they're going to come back in two years regardless. Um, I think maybe parents, you know, uh, you know moms are warriors. I think that's, that's just a running theme throughout, you know, life, you know, uh, Seth, I think you can attest to this. Um, we may not show it, but dads, I think worry a little bit more than moms. Um, just because we know what stupid things that we've done as kids and we worry that our kids are going to try to do the exact same things. Um, but we, you know, we put on the brave face and like, Oh, you know, relax. Everything's fine. They'll figure um, it, it's a very real possibility that parents, you know, like, hey, if this is still going to be a thing, 
why don't you stay closer so you're not trapped in Ames, Iowa during a pandemic? Um, that that's a that's a very real question, you know, a, a concern for parents, you know. Um, you know, Samantha's sister's up at Florida State right now. She has an apartment up there. She's living up there, you know, working, you know, going to school remote, and her parents are, you know, hours away. It, it's that's still like a, a concern. So I think maybe you, you may see an uptick in the local kids staying. Um, but I think you may see more regional effects. You know, the guys around Gainesville stay in at Florida if they can get, get into Florida. Same with Tallahassee. You know, those the people that may have wanted to go to Alabama or Texas or, you know, what have you, the bigger schools, they may want to stay. And you may see um, each state's schools kind of get a little bit stronger than they would have. And some of the, you know, the guys that USF may have taken just ran out of spots because that, you know, that random four star decided to stay home because of this condition, uh, you know, end up at FAU or FIU or, you know, somewhere along those lines. I think it's a, a very interesting test case. And, uh, Again, I mean, that's such a big question mark for every single college and, you know, how they're going to be able to handle handle this in the future. And uh, I don't know. Uh, what, what do you guys think? And um, Seth, uh, Steve, I, I agree. I agree with you on I think I don't think the players I don't. And, you know, obviously nobody knows anything about how this is all going to pan out by this time next year. Maybe there's a vaccine and everything's kind of back more or less normal. Who knows? Maybe not. Um, but I don't think the I don't I don't think it'll affect the players as much. But the parents, like you said, that could be where more were, you know, a lot. You hear a lot of recruiting stories come down to well, mom wants him to go here, so he's going there. So if it really gets to this point where it's really kind of, you know, you know, if I send my kid off, I may not see him for you know a a year. You know, not just he may have to stay, you know, for longer than just a four month season or whatever. Then, yeah, then I think that may have some effect. But if I think if it's just left to the players, I don't think there will be a lot of effect unless this thing really keeps kind of steadily um, declining, which it doesn't. It appears to be getting a little bit better, but it, we don't really know anything about it. So it's kind of hard to predict. But, yeah, I think if parents, if it kind of goes that way, parents will have more influence and want to keep their kids closer to home, I would imagine. So, quick question. Worst place to get stuck during a pandemic is Tallahassee or Ames, Iowa? <laughs> Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock, what time of the year I, is it? You know, that's always the right answer. <laughs> My senator. <laughs> Salute the senator. Uh, that's, a good, that's a good transition for me to go get water. <laughs> so, Senator, uh, during this pandemic, what have you been up to? Um, nothing. I guess that's a good thing. Congratulations. I wish I had something. I wish I had something interesting, but um, stay in my ass. But uh, trying to not drink as much, and then I guess work out. All of but which are very hard to do. Cheers. Yeah, pretty much. But no, it's uh, it's been good. I'm I'm one of the fortunate ones. My my job is probably not going. Anywhere. I've got the resistance bands and an easily accessible liquor store, so I'm good. Nice. <laughs> have you have you picked up a hobby or anything? Um, I've actually been trying to drop hobbies. <laughs> um, no, I, not not really. I, I've just been ordering a bunch of shit off Amazon. 
which is not helping the local economy, but it's at least making Jeff Bezos rich. It's fun. It's yeah, always also, fun ordering something and it says it's going to get there on like Saturday and then it shows up Thursday. Oh, oh no, I've got, God, this is awesome. I've got a pool on the way from my backyard. <laughs> a inflatable pool? Yeah. But this, is the second, this is the second podcast this week I've uh, been on that talked about inflatable pools. Listen, man, it's desperate times. <laughs> it's a thing. Is that the most expensive, uh, you know, asinine thing you purchased during this uh, pandemic? That's not the most asinine or expensive thing I've purchased on a monthly, or monthly time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's up there. Fair. Uh, you know, real quick around the around the horn, what's the dumbest thing you guys have purchased during this uh, during this uh, stay at home uh, pandemic drill? I am eyeing a bow and arrow. Ooh. Cru- cruise tickets? No, not really. Uh, no, we yeah, we, I don't think we've we haven't really gotten much of anything. We've uh, got a basketball hoop for our kids. Oh, I did buy my friends uh, up in Gainesville. They're both police officers, and they also have to do stay at home, you know, teaching. I got them an inflatable uh, bowling kit, like inflatable pins and a big <laughs> ball, just because I figured they needed pee. <laughs> Ridiculous. That's I, I think the only the only stupid thing I've bought so far that I thought I was going to get more use out of that I'm not is this blender that I just bought. Uh, I bought it like back when this first thing whole started kind of going down because I was thinking like, oh shit, everything's about to go to hell. Grocery stores are going to close. Like, I basically bulk bought like a whole bunch of frozen fruit, almond milk, and everything in the worst case scenario that I need to like basically just you know quarantine, never leave my apartment, and I have to live off of smoothies for the rest of my life. Uh, and then I forgot Uber Eats was a thing. <laughs> so now you're just making a lot of daiquiris? Yeah, I'm making a shit ton of margaritas <laughs> and daiquiris. <laughs> Do you know any stupid purchases yet? I don't. So I, today I just bought a um, an Ethernet switch because I, we only have one port in the apartment, so I was tired of taking like the um, the smart hub out to plug in my hard line to be in the laptop and then like if Molly wants to also hard line in so I bought an ethernet switch <laughs> so I guess that was I want to say that's probably the most like quarantine based thing to purchase because I never would have thought about it until like we all need to be hard lined in because we're all doing video chats at the same time I, th- I thought you were going to say you bought a bunch of ether and I was going to be really proud of you <laughs> <laughs> 420 yeah. Um, let's see. I bought I bought an Amazon Fire Stick. Uh, just half off, so I got it for like thirty bucks, which was nice. Yep. Was smart. Um, bought I bought a basketball hoop net. Um, I since that. this pandemic has started, uh, I've been wearing out the my basketball hoop that's in my cul-de-sac. Um, yeah, I'm a pretentious white boy who lives in a cul-de-sac. Uh, <laughs> so we've got a hoop, um, and like I ripped the net like a week and a half ago. So like every time I would make a basket, <laughs> no, I know. Uh, every time I would make a basket, it would shoot backwards because it would get caught on the net and go the other way. I'm like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. So much wrong. You're good. So you you guys got basketball hoops. So three on two, Robert Vito and the Senator versus Nathan and Seth. When we come back, let's go. Oh my God, y'all are getting you don't like that. <laughs> no, yeah. My best purchase was uh, twenty dollars for an Xbox 360. Oh my! Uh, yeah, so I could pull out the NCAA. I hadn't been able. I hadn't been able to put that in. <laughs> Turn into a road dog. I found fourteen. Oh yeah, so excellent. 
Yeah, so yeah. that was uh, that was uh, purchase. You should make a Twitter program. account, and uh, as <laughs> as your athlete, you should make a Twitter account and then commit to a program and tag the head coach in it. Yeah, that'll be great. That poor NIU head coach got so mad. <laughs> oh, so mad. He was, I don't even know who you are. I've never offered you before. I'm the only one that offers around here. We take it very seriously in northern Illinois. <laughs> and the the picture call. was very That's terrible. Illinois. DeKalb, Illinois. DeKalb, Illinois. Jesus Christ, oh. is that even in America? Barely. Yeah, barely. Yeah, international bowl failures. <laughs> and runner up, baby. So I think that's it for football right now. Uh, we've got some basketball transfers, Woo! which is neat. Um, quick, Wait, we started basketball uh, again? Well, yeah. Uh, About three, three years ago. ago. <laughs> three years uh-huh. ago? Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty nice. Um, so I don't, think, I don't think BJ Mack had announced his uh, decision to transfer the last time we had a podcast. So BJ... Uh, BJ Max no longer on the team. Uh, breaking news there. Yeah, so he BJ left March twenty second. So no, we didn't. Yeah, know. he transferred to Wofford. He transferred. He announced he was transferring to Wofford um, yesterday, I believe. Um, which is nice. Yeah. You know, good for him. He'll 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 probably get some run there. Um, he'll likely have to sit out a year. He pro- I think he played oh, enough games where he can use a redshirt this year. So it's not. You don't think the they'll just like clear the slate for this next year? Just be like everybody's fine. Just go do your thing. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, you know, the NCAA has done like two nice things in the last like three months. So, oh, so they're taking kind of care of yeah. the next twenty years. Yeah, they're they're tapped out. Honestly, I do want to point out that BJ Mack is an extremely USF name. Yeah, it's a real good name. Like, real good. <laughs> BJ Daniels, Marlon Mack, BJ Mack, let's go. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so in his stead, on April 5th, it was announced that former Siena slash Mississippi State forward Prince Duro is transferring to USF men's basketball. And uh, I believe he will be eligible immediately unless I am mistaken. Um, it's actually pronounced gold medalist. Gold medalist. He's Canadian. He won gold medal for the Canadian under nineteen team in twenty seventeen. Um, you know, he got he got a lot of run at Siena and then transferred uh to Mississippi State and just never saw playing time. Um, which is unfortunate. I think he yeah, he played in twenty one games last year, but in super limited action. Um he went from uh nine points and five rebounds his freshman year at Siena to uh, 1.2 points and 0.9 rebounds per game at um, Mississippi State. Um, he'll have two years of eligibility left. Uh, it, this is a shaping up to be a really good class for men's basketball. Um, you know, there's still the point guard question mark, but you've, you know, kind of re-upped the, the front court with, uh, you know, Michael Durr coming back, uh, Yetna getting healthy, hopefully. Um, and then you've got the freshman forward, Emmanuel Ocpono, Ocpomo, um, coming in, and then uh, the Iowa State transfer, Luke Anderson, as well. And then you got Caleb the God Murphy with the best hair I've ever seen on a USF Bowl. Um, so uh, exciting times for the 2020-2021 the USF men's basketball team. Again, whenever that happens, uh, this cloud of uncertainty will 
hover over us for months on end, uh, maybe in deep 2021, um, because uh, it, it it's not worth it. I promise you no USF men's basketball game will ever be worth uh, potentially infecting hundreds of people. Um, mm. That's just, that's just the, the facts of the matter um, here, folks. And uh, you know, it's, it's going to be tough to, to do. Uh, we'll get through it. We'll figure it out. Um, in other basketball news, uh, Kit got drafted by the Seattle storm uh, with the 11th pick in the first round. Uh, in the WNBA draft, um, she, you know, for ACL her junior year, um, decided not to come back and went and played overseas uh, in, in her native uh, land of Latvia um, and then got drafted by the Storm. Uh, I think Sue Bird still plays for them, a couple of other people. Um, you know, that's super awesome. Kristaps uh, Porzingis uh, quote retweeted um, her getting picked and congratulated her. Uh, he's also from Latvia. I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, a country of 2 million people and uh, the most famous Latvian uh, ever congratulating you on getting drafted. It's pretty, a pretty awesome experience. Um, congrats to Kit. She was always super nice, um, you know, dead eye from, from three. Uh, good for her to come back from a torn ACL and get, get uh, drafted. Um, Enna Penhadzik, uh, she transferred, transferred to uh, Vanderbilt after four years. At USF, um, again, her minutes uh, just dwindled last year after, you know, kind of, I think she averaged like over 38 minutes per game uh, two seasons ago when everyone got hurt. But the team got healthy again, and uh, her shot, her shot, her defense just never really uh, took the leap, I think, going into last year. And just she kind of got passed up on the bench and would come in and spot duty and uh, it's unfortunate, uh, but uh, I think she will go down in history as one of the, the grittier players in uh, women's basketball history just for what she did to get that team to uh, 19 wins two years ago, literally putting that team on her back when everyone uh, and everyone was hurt. Like it, it, it was a historic season from her, just her minutes, her play. Um, it was, it was, it was nice to see her kind of move on and, uh, hopefully get some more run. Um, you know, three additions to the program. Three additions. What you got yeah. for me, Steve? So I had to look at these names because God knows Jose loves to get these international names that I can hardly pronounce. Uh, so we have two that signed national letters of intent, intent that are going to be joining the program this year, playing this year. So we got Jade Blagro from the Netherlands. Uh, probably didn't pronounce that right. And then Sarah Guerrero from Portugal. Uh, Sarah is a former teammate of Beatrice Jordal. So there's experience there. Um, Sarah played for like the basically all of the Netherlands or excuse me, all of the Portuguese international programs on the way up. Uh, Jay played for all the uh, Netherlands teams on her way up. Uh, both are pretty much good kind of um, fulfilling roster players. Uh, they're probably not going to make an immediate impact kind of like how uh, Maria Alvarez was this past season, but should still provide some good minutes and good depth. Um, I believe Jade is a pretty good uh, three-point shooter from behind the arc, so should see her kind of come in and and uh, sing some buckets. And then we had a very odd transfer because uh, of the way that the, I guess, international programs work. Uh, so Teresa Vitulova 
Matulova. Uh, she transferred technically from Wyoming, but spent last season uh, playing nationally for like a professional uh, team in the Czech Republic. Um, so she's uh, joining the program, and I think she's not going to be eligible immediately. I think she has to sit out a year. Um, Correct. Yeah, so she's on scholarship, but not on scholarship. It's a weird kind of dynamic. But um, again, she was a all, all Mountain West Conference player, uh, so she's going to provide some good experience with the team as well. Uh, I believe she played this past season, and we played Wyoming, right? Am I thinking of too many Western Conference teams? Did we? No. Uh, I don't think so. No. Um, regardless, uh, she played very well in the in the Mountain West Conference. She'll provide some really good uh, depth when she comes in and plays. Um, but I think that might be about, oh, and then, uh, one of the assistant coaches left to go get hired at Florida International. Uh, Nate, I think you did yep. more about that than I. Uh, Jessica, uh, Jessica Burks. Um, yeah, I mean, she's came from, uh, Boston College. She was a assistant coach and recruiting coordinator for USF. And now she, she's, she's the head coach at FIU, which is awesome. Uh, congrats to Jessica. Uh, super excited for her. Um, I believe that makes the second departure in the last two years of Jose's, uh, you know, assistant coaching staff. Um, one girl uh, went back home to DePaul uh, to co- to be an assistant coach there. Um, and then Jessica gets the, the job, um, you know, at FIU. I should have read this. Uh, I should have read the press release deeper. Um, Teresa Vitolovo is also a teammate of, I'm going to so butcher this, Christiana Brabankova. Yeah, Christine. That works. Christiana Brabantsova. Yeah, <laughs> they were they were together in the Czech Republic when they played on the uh, national. So, you know, more experience playing time together, more meshing together instead of all these you know international melting pot players coming in and uh, knowing each other once. I always so imagine that that dynamic on the team is got. I mean, it's got to be the most unique thing in the world. Like, I, I love to get to know all the players like more like see how like their dynamic is as players. Cause like coming in from like all these different cultures and, and, you know, being international standouts of their own respective countries coming in from like Belgium and Netherlands and Portugal, Spain, all, all over the country. And then like some local kids as well. Like it's gotta be one of the more unique locker rooms in pretty much college sports right now. And then right. potluck Tuesdays um, must be the best thing ever. Steve, are you saying that uh, Wyoming, Wyoming's check bounced? Relief. Doesn't you deserve a boo? (laughs) Oh yikes, brother! Uh, Let's see, let's see. All right, uh, final thing. uh, You know, true like sports related. um, The NFL draft begins on Thursday. Um, You know, Mitchell Wilcox, uh, tight end Mitchell Wilcox, likely the only guy who may get his name called, um, and that's. That's certainly not not a given, uh, you know, given his uh, combine uh, results. I know Joey Knight had a tweet today, um, you know, that he improved a lot of his a lot of his uh, pro day numbers. Um, you know, he ran a four eight eight forty at the combine and got it down to a four seven five, um, which is fantastic to hear. Um, you know, he suffered that eye injury due to getting uh, just absolutely annihilated by the, the jugs machine. Um, but he's, he feels fine. Um, 
he said, quote, I feel like now the NFL teams that have uh, really had an opportunity to digest all my team, all my film, and they're, they've been circling back. Um, you know, he said uh, to Joey, you know, eight to 10 NFL teams have shown solid interest. Uh, solid interest could be, uh, you know, undrafted free agent spot, you know, uh, not really, you know, making it, making him a worthwhile pick. I mean, he's got the body, he's got the frame. I know, uh, you know, a couple of coaches I've talked to um, have said that he struggled, you know, separating, uh, you know, against man-to-man coverage and, uh, you know, with with a four seven five forty or four eight eight, you know, depending on, you know, we're trusting these pro pro day times. Where I saw a tweet um, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, two days ago. A guy said, you know, uh, 150 players have uh, ran a four three forty at their pro days this year, and I mean, guys, that's not that's not accurate. Um, I think we can. I think you know, alluding to. Uh, a certain running back, Jordan McLeod, uh, excuse me, Jordan Cronkright, um, running a four three four forty. Um, you know, faster than Marlon Mack, Rodney Adams, MVS, Quentin Flowers. That would have been the fastest running back time this NFL draft combine. I saw an NFL scout that's been a scout for like thirty or forty years. He says he's timed twenty guys at four in the four threes in his like thirty or forty years. It's also. Uh, I think I'm gonna go. Out, I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I don't think Jordan Cronkite is one of the fastest 21 players of the last 40 years. Just no. a limb. I'm, I'm willing to. I'm willing to go there. Yeah. yeah I didn't, I didn't he, he was a. He was a pretty. He was a good player. But did he ever run away from anybody? UMass. Yeah, I was about to say UMass so, would be the only so time, but so now. I mean, Everyone ran. <laughs> he also he also got hawked down by a dude that's from uh, the area in that UMass game. Um, but I, I mean, the ECU touchdown, I guess, two years ago that won the game. Uh, but that was literally like the seas parted, and there was really no one, you know, within like twenty yards of him. Good back, good pass blocker, um, can run in between the tackles. Do I see a burst at the next level? No, I don't see him turning a a you know a ten yard gain into a thirty five yard gain at the pro level. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. I remember that one time fondly. Uh, so I mean, it's interesting. Uh, I think Mitch is definitely the only guy that may get drafted. I know Marcus Norman and Billy Atterbury have. Uh, reached out or, you know, I've talked to Joey Knight saying, you know, NFL teams have reached out to them and expressed interest. Good for them. Um, absolutely good for them if they're getting, you know, tryout, you know, invitations or if they, I, again, I don't, exactly. I mean, uh, you, you get, you get paid during camp, right? I'm sure you get something. You get something. You get a free t-shirt at least. Yeah. Exactly. You, you, get get a, work you get a little bit of money. As a random question, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head. Has Blake been reached out by anyone at all? I'm assuming not, just because I mean, injury wise and everything else going on. I mean, if Marcus Norman and Billy Ira reached out, I'm sure Blake has as well. Somebody will it's take a, a five star quarterback. Yeah. Somebody put someone to take a five star quarterback in camp just to take a look at him. Right. And, and you know, I think. Much. It's an easier sell for Blake. Um, 
you know, given that, you know, he had to transfer twice. He had the injury problem at uh, Alabama and here. He had to go through like seven offensive coordinators. He committed to Arizona State um, to work with an offensive coordinator who bolted like a month after he got there. There's more to say, hey, you know, I haven't had, uh, you know, an opportunity to run the same system twice. Uh, you know, give me a shot here. Um, I think he's still he's still working. I, I've seen seen him post videos. Um, I think there's probably again a camp arm. I mean, if Blink Abbott and you know Tim Tebow and all, I mean all of these all of these camp arms. Um, you know, Ryan Griffin was a camp arm until he became the backup quarterback. Like, just prove you if you can just prove it and show that you you can put something on tape and you know not be stupid with the football. Um, I think he may get a shot. Now, you know, he didn't really force it a lot of times. Like there was never a time where I was like, dude, what are you doing throwing that football? Like when he was healthy and could spin it and had time, you know, he was a good quarterback, but I guess you can say that with any quarterback, if they have time, they can kind of do it. But, I, you know, I think it, the one benefit is again, he had, well, I think he went through seven offense coordinators in five years. Um, never had the same one back to back years. Uh, having to learn three different coaching staffs, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot to undertake. Um, and then on throw, throwing on top, you know, the injury problems that he had, you know, that ankle injury um, was it was tough to kind of overcome. <laughs> we'll see. But I, again, it's it's Mitch, and then there's a, probably a, a deep, deep uh, drop off in potential NFL draft picks or uh, you know contributors. But you know. Well, you never know, but I would say that's that's kind of it. Um, hey, I mean, if Blake, get his, if Blake doesn't get his name called, there's always the XFL. R.I.P. None of that's going on. Like, none of their merch is going on sale yet. That's really annoying. Yeah, Vince ain't going to give any of that. The X is for extreme. Hey, just remember, Kyle Allen started games for the Panthers. He was a five star. Those guys will get a chance. Those five, those guys with the pedigree will get a shot, at least a look. And then maybe, maybe you know him playing under so many offense corners, well maybe he can learn the system really quick because he's had to so many times. And maybe that gives him a leg up on some people. You never know. I thought he was playing. I thought a lot of bad stuff that happened last year was out of his control. I thought he actually played pretty well when he. Had the chance, we had guys dropping the ball, or you know, I mean, just the offensive line getting totally just manhandled. That's not his fault. I thought when he had the chance, he played pretty well. Um, yeah, no, he's he's a good, he's a quality quarterback. Yeah, he just the circumstances didn't always work out in his favor, and he yeah. always seemed to have you'd be like an an upper guy. Like he was always like, all right, you know, let's just do this. Not you know, not blaming anybody, not trying to throw him under the bus. And I, I really do hope he gets he catches on somewhere, and I think he will, but. It's, you know, just a lot of rough things happen to him year after year, but he'll be fun. He's, he's, I'm not worried about him. Final, final thing, you know, the, the cloud that kind of hangs over everything in college sports and sports and life in general is uh, COVID-19. And, you know, how, how will USF go about uh, the 2020 season in all sports? Um, we've seen Cincinnati drop baseball. Uh, we've Locker. seen... Um, a golf team, uh, Old Dominion, I think dropped dropped the team. Uh, it's 
it's going to happen. I don't, I don't, I don't, I have no certainty that USF will not drop any programs. Um, you know, the, the first one comes to mind is track, but then that you got into title nine issues with the women's team kind of compensating for the football team. Um, I would say if this happened five years ago, men's basketball may be a, uh, a, 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 you know, contender to get dropped or, or something. Um, Baseball could have been an issue. I just know as long, as long as we keep sailing, I'm fine. Right, and you know, even that's not not a given. Um, just even though they're they're really good, they've got a, a, a gold medalist as a head coach. Is it? I mean, they don't gen- generate revenue, and that's that's going to be the issue here. And missing out uh, potentially on $1.9 million uh, because the Texas game doesn't get played. That's a huge, that's going to be a huge problem for you. Not only USF, but all of the other G5 programs, especially the lower tier. I worry about what's going to happen at the FCS level. uh, When these, these, you know, come get an ass beating and a check games don't go through. And there's a lot of talks of, you know, just going straight into conference play. Well, those how how are we going to adjust for twenty twenty one and beyond? Are we going to just push those twenty twenty non conference games and move them to twenty twenty one and just kind of do it like that and move it you know back a year? Uh, you know you saw it with Tampa losing out at WrestleMania. I don't know. I doubt WrestleMania is going to be next year in Tampa. They it's already announced in Los Angeles. So they're Tampa's going to have to wait again to get back into WrestleMania. Uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, I believe it's uh, this year in Tampa. Uh, there's just a lot of question marks um, that uh, we are too dumb collectively to know the answer to, I promise you. And we would never uh, try to give that answer. Um, but there's just a lot of unknowns. You know, I think USF operated at a loss last year. Um, and now we're paying Charlie Strong not to coach, and we're paying a new coaching staff. And we may be missing out on almost two million dollars to play Texas. There's a, a, just a ton of question marks. Where Michael Kelly is going to come up with this money? Are are we going to have to go back to the donor donors who donated toward the football facility and be like, hey, we need to switch some of this money over to making sure this program stays up and running? Who knows what's going to happen? Um, and so if there's if there's no fans this year. How do you? Because you don't want to really have to give back that season ticket money, right? Because that's just right. another. Yeah, I think they'll so just roll it next season. Would they roll? What can you offer? Can you offer access to fans that have season tickets? Like, if they can't go to the games, can you offer them something that'll make it? You'll obviously roll it over to the next year, but something kind of just make it worth their while and maybe even entice more uh, giving. So yeah, like. Guys, like like, I mean, like the XFL stuff, you got access, but like even like kind of similar to that, could you give that to fans that have certain, you know, is that a way to entice people to, you know, not want to refund or is giving them something extra that really doesn't cost anything? I mean, I'm sure it would cost something to set up, but it's not like you have to go out and get it. But just extra access, I think, would be interesting way to keep your some of the revenue you've generated and maybe generate some more this thing gets settled i feel like the only way to grant access to be digitally and you're going to lose your big donors because they're 
traditionally a little bit older. They're not going to hop on a Skype call with uh, Coach Jeff Scott. I mean, they they might, but it, I, I don't know. It, it's This is going to be real weird to figure out, and it's going to be very interesting. But I think if we all collectively give, us, give USF our stimulus checks, we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I've already, uh, you know, kind of put a put a bow on it, and it kind of that money's already been spent in my head like four different ways. So, well, you know, it's not it's not going to you. More basketball um, nets. More basketball. <laughs> I mean, I need more nets, man. I was thinking about today. I was shooting around uh, before we went on our our walk um, this evening with my family, which has been nice during this uh, whole crisis, being able to go out and and walk, and you know. Get a lot of exercise. Um, I was like, maybe I should just get a, another hoop and just run full court, <laughs> one on one on o. Just, I mean, my cold sack is huge. Like we go and walk around our neighborhood, and like my cold sack is like two times bigger than any other cold sack in in my neighborhood. Um, so like, it, it could be like a legitimate full court, maybe even longer than full court. I just have to like roll it out into the middle of the cold sack one. This kind of, I mean, it's awesome. I if I if you guys ever get the chance to live in a cold sack, I would recommend it. It's uh, pretty great. Um, so, I just imagine you burning back and forth through uh, through nests on two different hopes. Maybe maybe jams. Yeah, I mean, shoot or shoot, bro. I I you know I put up probably close to like fifteen hundred shots over the last month. Um, so Steve has nice. too, just a different. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Different form. How big is your cul-de-sac? Tell us about it. <laughs> That's a personal <laughs> question. And I won't acknowledge we'll, it. We'll take that off the, off the uh, call after. Do you think this could possibly really change the NCAA, like materially? Because if, uh, you know, if you have to go get bailed out by somebody and they start putting conditions on things, does could they... Could you get uh, materially changed NCAA in like two or three years where everything's really changed? I think so. Uh, because I think that could be, that might be a something that may come out of this where if they have to go get, if the NCAA has to go get, and these schools have to go get money, um, which a lot of them will if stuff is, if there's, if all this revenue dries up. There's already uh, one that's already well on their way of doing that right now, and that's Tulsa. Tulsa's athletic so, department is in like the, I mean, we're not in a great situation by any stretch of the imagination. Most teams in our conference aren't, uh, but by far the team or the the school in the worst state right now is going to be Tulsa. Uh, oh yeah, they, those oil schools are screwed. They don't have a lot going for them right now, and I, I honestly I wouldn't be surprised if we hear more, uh, quite a few cuts from that uh, athletic department. Um, yeah, I and, probably, and next year Florida Florida starts the um, 2021 is the players can make money off their likeness in Florida. Mm-hmm. So that's coming down the pike. I, I wonder if you see anything or just there's total massive rule changes made to the NCAA because they they have to take money from certain places and the places like this, these are the conditions of the money. I don't know if that's even possible, but I think a lot of schools are going to be looking for some type of um, to keep some of the sports programs going, some type of bailout, or we're just going to see a lot of schools have to shut down athletics. If there's a way for yeah, if there's a way for it, their money to be made, the NCAA will figure it out and figure out how to put a tax upon it. 
<laughs> so it, it they may just have to do a, a 360 and be like, all right, fine, we're going to take uh, a portion of all player revenues, yeah. which completely could see them doing because they're evil bastards. I mean, they may, they're making you sign. That's why I thought they would be able to fend off stuff like the video game uh, lawsuit, because when you come in your first day of paperwork, you have to sign away your likeness to the NCAA that they can use it for whatever they want. Uh, you don't have to sign it, but everyone does. Yeah, you want to be so, in the game. Yeah, so uh, you just you sign your likeness way to, to the NCAA just for anything for their marketing materials for uh, you know the, the student athlete commercials or whatever. Uh, you know they already kind of have your likeness. At, they they can put you on billboards across campus. So then, yeah, maybe they'll start taking. Maybe yeah, they'll do. They'll they'll totally flip it and take a cut. Say, I mean, there were billboards on 275. I used to, you know, I saw every day going to work, and there was a Blake up there. But quick question: How do we get the lightning rights for Vito's cat? You got to stare. Do I get the lightning rights for this, the the, the podcat? This is Stella, everybody. It's a beautiful creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stick really. Cat's nice. Cat's nice too. Either. Got a got a green. <laughs> yeah. Death. Um. Oh. Yeah, I think that you know the final. Kind of thing I want to you know discuss um, before we kind of wrap up here is the the 2020 season. Um, you know, there's been discussions of pushing it back into January or you know having a January to April start, and then you know have the national championship game in April, and how that's going to affect everything. And I think I don't think that's the right solution. Um, you know, if this kind of go drags on for another five months, five six months, and you know, we're pushing into October, November. I, I, I don't see why you even have a season at that point. If you push into January, if you do the, you know, the spring slate, you're messing up two full seasons at this point, um, which is kind of it's unfortunate. And I think trying to force in a season or shoehorn a season in, um, it's not fair to the freshmen. Uh, coming in, you know, the high school seniors, I, I, I don't see how logistically that works. You know, you you have a national championship game, bowl games, whatever, you know, how how does that work? You're, so you're, you know, into middle, late April, uh, you know, right now we'd be having, you know, the Orange Bowl or Fiesta Bowl right now. And then a week or two from now is the national championship game. And then you've got to turn around to get back on track. You got to, you know, you get no summer. You again, you get no spring camp. Uh, you go straight into summer workouts, and then your fall camp. So you basically uh, have two seasons in in one calendar year. I think that's just tough on these college kids' bodies. You know, if a kid gets hurt in February, if he tears his AC on February, he may miss two two seasons. That's the tough part. And that's that's the the unfortunate part where. Okay, if we're gonna do this, and you know, kid gets again hurt, you know, torn ACL, MCL, like just blows up his knee, and you know, it's you're missing two full seasons. Do they get two medical red shirts? What? How? How are they gonna adjust for that? I think if the season, like if they're not playing football by late September, maybe maybe a week or two into October, just pack it in, call it a day. It's just it's not worth pushing it back into 2021 to then affect the 2021-2022 season. Um, you know, keep keep the guys eligible. You're, I mean, your top-tier guys are probably just going to forego that, that, that's that January to April season anyway. I don't think you're going to see, you know, the likes of, like, Jerry Judy or, you know, Chase Young, if that was going to be the case, or, 
um, that the defensive back, I can't, Jeffrey, whatever, uh, um, whatever his name is. Yeah. I don't think you're going to see them be playing because the NFL is not going to adjust their schedule for you. You know, you, you, the draft, the draft is Thursday, right? So April 23rd, you're playing, you're still playing bowl games during this time. You're not going to get any of the top tier talent to be playing in those bowl games. Especially, you know, the, the, the national championship game, it kind of devalues everything because even in the national championship game, you're still getting the top guys. But if you're about to get drafted, I don't think you see those guys play. Um, I think I, they have to play a season. They, for a lot of these schools, have to play a season, like financially. Right. That's the. I think that's the big rub. What if they just did? They start in January, and they just they seed everybody one through one thirty, and they just do a single elimination tournament. I I just don't know how physically you play in January in fucking Minnesota and Washington and Oregon and Arbor. I mean, unless you have access to an indoor stadium, those guys aren't going to break or tear their ACLs. They're going to freeze the fuck off and shatter like a demolition man. (laughs) Yeah, we uh, we had Nick Simon show us. uh, He's in he's in he's in Illinois, and uh, he had snow this weekend. You're talking about possibly playing like a playoff game in the snow. And doing that the entire season, if you're in the like, if you're in could the, you imagine yeah. USF going up to Cincinnati in the middle of January? No, like, thank they, you. They we struggle in <laughs> they struggle in October when it's cold in Cincinnati, or going up to Philadelphia, or yeah, it's, it's the cold that gets us every time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that's that. what I can uh, tell myself. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I don't I don't see it happening. Um, I didn't. You might have to cut like three or four sports then. Like if you don't have football for a lot of these schools, that's the number one re- revenue generator. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a season, and then I doubt the TV, I doubt the TV, um, you're going to get broadcast money if you don't have a season. So that cuts out the probably number one revenue generator for all the conferences. So now you're in real trouble if you don't play at all. If you don't have something. Oh no, like FCS. Deeper. Yeah, FCS and and HD are, yeah. rude. Um, uh, the only thing I can think of. Like a short-term solution would be to drop a lot of those just for Title IX's sake. Drop a lot of these sports on the club, which they got to fundraise their own. I mean, not a lot of them are survive it. They maybe get by by a year and a half, two years max, and then maybe wrench them back up. But this is gonna be bad. It, it, a lot depends on how many, like how far we go with events being canceled. And I mean, if you can have people, it, it's not even just. Uh, it's not even about the people watching the games either. Like these players are on top of each other, and if you don't have high access to testing, right? Let alone like a, a vaccine. Like I don't know how you can force student athletes to potentially yeah, risk it and then not be not be tested, and then you're, go, you're still going they, to class. You're to still pay, doing other things. Well, you have to pay. Let's like is that a gateway to paying players now? Because how can you make? people play that are getting literally nothing out of it because they may not be, you know, schools. I don't, some conferences are saying if we don't, we're not at school, we're not going to play. So I think there's a lot of people that are preparing to come back in January already, or kind of that's what they're preparing for. Hopefully the changes, but I've heard like uh, school districts and stuff like that are preparing for, we'll definitely be back January of next year. So if you don't come back till January, you have schools that won't play till January, and then, yeah, I don't know what you can do because it is a short turnaround and the weather becomes a bigger factor. But, I mean, there's got to be, you know, there used to, there was a, years ago, there was a proposal to play 
um, spring games, like make them real games. They, I remember they talked about Clemson and Georgia because they used to have a rivalry and they're so close that they should just play in the spring game. So maybe you get something like that where you get two or three games, just like exhibitions in the spring, just to kind of satiate and maybe bring something in. That's going to get kids uh, revenue. I mean, it's it might be as you're right. It's, it, as a regular spring game that might bring in revenue. You might be able to sneak in say, a couple, couple games in there in the spring exhibitions, but they'll fill up. And if you, I mean, what's stopping like you know, Florida and Florida State, USF, UCF? What's stopping like all these schools that are you know within miles of each other or within a couple hours drives from each other in April and May, saying, hey, you know, let's you know, our team's been tired of hitting each other. You know, hope we have a vaccine by then, of course, but. You know, what's stopping those teams from, you know, playing a game, playing two games even, you know, one well, game even a and one game away. Even a controlled scrimmage would yeah, make something money. At that, at like, that point, if they didn't yeah. play, if we hadn't played by May, a controlled scrimmage would have people hanging off the rafters. And like, yeah, talking, talking, like strictly revenue, not even like, oh, this counts as one season or another. It's just, hey, can we sell a ticket to this? And then yeah. that that helps a ton. I, I don't know. It's It, it, it would seem like a interesting idea and you know spring games kind of after all the scrimmages the games are for the fans and you what are you actually really learning in them a lot of them have really wacky premises a, a physical game would be interesting but i mean like uh, senator mentions is that worth you know potentially getting a major injury in over you usually have game? three you usually have three full go scrimmages every spring i mean you got 15 yeah. practices i think so i mean you just have to kind of you know, have like a camp with no hitting. You'd have to like, you'd have to have almost a spring camp or like a fall camp in March with no hitting and keep it really light and then treat it like, you know, I have my five practice days or and then a game. And so you, you stay with the 15 contact practices or whatever. And those still aren't even all 15 contact either. So, but luckily the NCAA will be in charge of it and they they never miss. So. <laughs> if if this means we get some scrimmages against Florida College, I'm all for it. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, our friends from uh, Temple Terrace. I um it, it's really hard to think about a time that we're we're going to be able to go to not, not even just, you know, sporting events but any events in September it just seems so close right. after what we've been seeing but I mean we, you know we never know we're not smart enough to know we don't, we're not experts in this field so you know we uh are, sorry, are taking I, this to go. I know this shit yeah <laughs> I mean I would I, I would not. still totally watch the games I mean if if there was no no crowd I I, I don't really care I would still love to watch the games on TV you know, obviously I'm not like, more accessible but what if what if they did like Texas and it was a 7 on 7 league Texas high school has 7 on 7 leagues or they just did that in the winter. Cancel it. I do. You're not, seven on seven is awful. <laughs> you'd watch. I guarantee, if I put a seven on seven youth game on right now, you'd probably watch it. I wouldn't. I honestly, <laughs> I wouldn't. I I can't stand I would, seven on seven. Sadly. Tom was talking about watching Hungarian table tennis, so you know, I think we're. Uh... <laughs> oh, he's a psychopath. So there's that. Uh, um, but like, fi- like final final thing here, like. Again, we we have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, but like, I got I watched uh, Moneyball the other day, um, and like I got sad that like there was all like these like personal interaction. There was you know fans in the stands. Like in this you know this is a movie that's like six years old at this point, and about a team from like a decade prior to that. Um, so it's just 
it, it's so weird that we're living through this and we have no idea what's going to happen. And um, I just I hope no teams are affected at USF. Um, you know, again, it, it's really up in the air. Um, you know, women's golf could be could be a casualty, but again, Title Nine may save it. it It'll be a men's it's, sports that gets cut first. Yeah, and I, I don't even want to. I can't even think of them. At maybe tennis, but golf. I, they're winners. I don't. There's not like a. Oh yeah, well this team has been terrible for a decade. Um, we're, we're a country club school. We got to keep the. Got to keep those. The wasp sports. I mean, the, uh, another thing that was kind of brought up for like, uh, like golf. Do if if travel becomes a concern or monetary concern, is there a way to to do it? I'm not going to say like golden tea, obviously, but like top golf. Do, do we all have to go to a the same course? Uh, like, yeah, can, can you play at can you play at similar? I don't know how you would just how you do that, but can you play at similar courses that aren't necessarily? No, no. Put them on a golf I mean, simulator. You, yeah, like you go play at like Tampa Palms or. Uh, like plantation or something, it's different than going and playing at um, what's the place out in Orlando? Uh, Good hole. God, what the fuck's it called? Reservation? Rodeo? Uh, <laughs> uh, Mickey's Berry Golf Adventure. There's there's a huge uh, there's a huge um, golf course that's out out there that I think they've had the the AAC tournament at. Um, like they're just two. Completely different courses, different slopes, yeah. different every. Like, there's just no like golf is one of those things where you can't really. Yeah. Also, as safety goes, courses. A lot of those golf, tennis, track. Uh, I guess a little less track, but you can probably figure it out. You don't, that is more socially distant friendly than yeah, any right. contact sport. It's, yeah, but it's, it's a travel to get you. Yeah, the, you the travel would be the the financial portion of it, but is there? Yeah. If we can just drive to the place it. and pay for their gas. Yeah. Give them a free chicken sandwich every day. What you gotta do is no. buy a bunch of barrels right now because they are um, they're free. Yes, they're actually the IPA with uh, by making margin calls on these barrels. We're gonna that's how we're gonna fund the IPF. Uh, how how do we get a hold of some barrels of oil? Because I I would love to be paid thirty seven dollars to buy some. Uh, I know a guy. <laughs> All right, well hit us up offline. Um, I think that's it. Anything else you guys want to touch on real quick? I think. Yeah, I'm just real fucking tired of living through once in a lifetime experiences and things like this. I've had like seven of them, and it's just really fucking old. What about a USA yeah. Championship? That's another one you want, right? Uh, yeah, but I'm thinking about like you know things that are right. once generation, they're generational defining that are not good. And I'm like, cool. I'm on like ten of these motherfuckers. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. And on that note, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I appreciate, you know, everyone hopping on and talking and, uh, you know, drop in by the senators. Always appreciate it. Um, again, stay safe. Stay your ass inside. Stay in, if you want football in September, I promise you, your best course of action is just to stay inside. Wash your um, hands. Wash your hands. Yeah, wash your hands, wash your ass, stay inside. Again, <laughs> wash your hands, wash your ass. Well, a ass then hands side. Well, wait, no, wait I think you want. Okay, wash your hands, wash your ass, wash your hands, <laughs> and then stay. Yeah, inside. yeah, you have to do. You have to wash your hands twice, but it's worth it. Awesome. Uh, just being just, wasteful. 
think think of football. If if you think, oh my god, I can't do this anymore, I promise you, in September, when September fifth rolls around and you're sitting at home instead of in Austin, Texas, you'll be like, fuck, why didn't I stay home in April when there was yeah. nothing else going on? No, sir, um, there are bigger fucking things in football. But listen, if you like, I understand it. Just stay the fuck inside. The, the, Longer you stay inside now, the less you have to do it later. This is goddamn homework. You learned this long time ago. Just do it. Stop bitching about your roots. Stop bitching about not being able to fertilize your lawn, which I literally saw a guy cry earlier on TV about. Just stay the fuck inside. It's not a big deal. Seriously, this is the perfect time to do literally anything indoors. Um, <laughs> you know, reacquaint yourself with your, your family. Uh, but again, just stay inside. I promise it won't be that bad. You're not being asked to go to war. It's literally staying indoors. We can do it. I promise. You know, yeah. We, you we, asked, you're doing we it. Stay anyway. indoors all the time, anyway. All right. It's hot. It's Florida. Nobody. I got. I sat outside on my porch for an hour the other day, and I'm covered in fucking mosquito bites. I'm staying inside forever now. That's fine. Stay inside. Uh, uh, horrible. And as always, uh, go Bulls! Thanks for listening. Go Bulls! Go Bulls.